Counterpress Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight is not Josh Cacho, it is Tom Camilleri. Tom, you may, I think you're known to most everybody as at Bronkfan07, but welcome to the show. Thanks. Appreciate you having me on there. Yes, that is, that is my handle. Um, this is my, I guess, podcasting hosting debut. Uh, I have been on the show one other time. It was on the 100th anniversary yeah. one. That was a much happier time than tonight, let's just say. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we did that format for the 100th, because we didn't want it to happen to fall on a game like this or something where it's like, oh, now this thing is just the doldrums. But I got to talk about timeless. pleasant memories that night. That was the yeah. great part. <laughs> yeah. um, so LAFC go to Austin. Uh, they get absolutely thrashed 4-1. to one. Um, I don't know that it was even that close, oddly enough. Uh, just a, just an abysmal game from start to finish, really. Uh, the, I guess they kind of picked it up in the second half, but, I mean, it's like what Austin has done at that point, right? Um, they, give up a, they give up a free kick pretty early off of a whole, uh, uh, Jesus Murillo blunder trying to Cruyff, Sebastian Driussi. Uh, I'm going to say that name a hundred different ways tonight, and every time it's going to be wrong. I'm going to be uh, mixing up Driussi and your Rudy names yeah, just all yeah. night on here. I guess it wasn't a Cruyff. He tried to like pull it back and then push back out to the outside to get around Driussi and gets the ball nicked off of him, and Segura has to do what he does, right? Um, he forearm shivs him, sends him to the ground. Diego Fugundes buries uh, a free kick, and from then on, it was over. 15 minutes into the game, it was over. Uh, because LAFC is just not going to claw there. They can't claw their way back through that press to win this game, especially not with that starting midfield. But Tom, uh, don't let me taint your viewing of it too much. Uh, what are your initial reactions? What, what were you thinking during the game? I mean, what were well, you thinking before the game in terms of how this might go? Well, before the game, I mean, you were spot on. You were talking about what's going to happen in the midfield six hours before the game. I think we all knew yeah. that blessing with blessing was going to be starting. Um, yeah, my thought even before was you tweeted out something near the end of the game where you said, this is the second game in a row. This was an arrogant lineup, arrogant play. And I yeah. thought it was an interesting word that you used because last week when they put out the San Jose, the lineup against San Jose, I tweeted, or not, I mean, I, uh, texted my friend, Brian, who's my seatmate at the games. Shout out Brian. He's a counter press listener. So hopefully he's listening. Ah, the best um, kind. And I said, man, this is one arrogant lineup they're putting out. Literally oh, wow. used that yeah. word. Yeah. With Hollings head up front and I know. I uh, know. all the guys that were on the bench and everything. And I know you guys talked about that last week. And, and there was some sort of, okay, this wasn't that bad. You know, Maybe they needed this to kind of as a kick in the pants to get going. And there's some truth to that. But my thought at that point was, why punt three points? to yeah. the dread the dregs of the league at that point yeah. and the arrogance was we're going to go up there and it doesn't matter what lineup we put out we're going to get a result and that didn't work but that's where you fast forward to today and say even if they if, if they hadn't punted those three points it's like well austin wins but lafc is still nine points ahead but now they were only six points yeah. ahead and philadelphia's philadelphia's coming up and besides blessing in which we knew my question when i saw the lineup is why is hollingshead starting over escobar at this yeah. at, at this point yeah. and i'm sure we will get the hollingshead later because it was not good <laughs> out there 
Um, but I think that the stuff that you were talking about with, again, having uh, what, what was going to happen with Blessing in the, in the midfield really came to pass there. And yeah. I mean, it's not, it's, it's not rocket science. We yeah. know that Blessing is good at a few things, right? He's mm-hmm. incredible in the press, like right. 90th percentile across the board in the, like while defending and in the press. Fantastic. He's good on the ball and at progressing the ball, but that's where it ends. Yeah. The passing ability is not there. The vision is not there. The ability in the box in and around the box, I should say, is not even close. It's not even close. Uh, the more that I watch him, the more, and tonight I was, and even as I was talking about the game, you know, discussing, I, I feel like, you know, a lot of people kind of took to that conversation that I started earlier about Blessing and Mendes just not being enough to play to play as an eight or as an attacking mid. Um, and what I was thinking about more and more is just how odd it is to me that Latif Blessing used to be a winger. And this is a guy who you can't trust in the final third at all. Oh, sure. So in some ways, it's like a brilliant move to move him into the midfield because he's clearly not a winger. <laughs> but in other ways, it's mind-boggling It's mind boggling because he's clearly not a midfielder, right? He can do the anti-10 thing. He was fantastic at that when that's all LAFC was doing, right? Just press, 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 and just be insufferable to play against. Um, but it's it's just – it doesn't work anymore. It yeah, does not my, work. My thought on him this year, and I go back to the to the midseason show you guys did where you're handing out grades, and I forget what you gave Latif, but I think it was middling to low to low grade. I forget too. Um, <laughs> it wasn't a good grade. Let's put it this way: it wasn't a good grade. But my my thought with him this year, and having seen him all you know all the home games in person and everything, is he looks like the same Latif, and we all like Latif. He's one. Of, he's only one of the two original 2018 guys. Mm-hmm. He does some of the same things. He flies around. He's annoying in a good way, breaking up passes, uh, getting in there. But I always feel like at the same time, he has no impact on the game. And it's a really weird thing to see. And where it manifests itself is what he can still be good at is being the 30-minute sub that can just fly around the field and disrupt things. But when he has to start and go 60 minutes, all of that, stuff comes into play that again yeah inside the 18 he can't shoot at all uh he's having trouble getting passes and you put out the one picture of the the one play that i had wanted to talk about also too yeah, uh, yeah. mike beats okay, sent in a video so he yeah. so i put out the picture mike beats got video of it and said it so if if you haven't seen what tom is talking about yeah uh, it's on my feed or you can go to mike beats feed uh the, i put out the picture and he's got the 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 video of it so go ahead tom you can explain it though well, so I'll say, as somebody that's tweeted into the show nearly every game, and I know we have complained about relentlessly with LAFC, is where they get into open space and they have 15 yards of space because defenders are backing off, following Chicho, following Bella, whoever, and somebody will try to force a pass in. Well, here's Blessing running down the field wide open with, again, the defense retreating because all three guys are up front. Yeah. And then he just gets his pocket picked from behind because there was just no awareness of his surroundings, nobody warning him off. And I had tweeted at you early in the game. I can't remember if it was before or after they went down one nothing. I said, wow, this is just a masterclass of them getting into these ruts where there's no awareness and there's just a real lack of yeah. paying attention. 
here. Yeah. And that was that was the whole example of it right there. He's wide up okay. He didn't try to force something and either he didn't see nobody warned there's a guy coming up behind you and he and threat gone. Yeah, like it, I mean so on that play specifically, we can go ahead and talk about this one. So the thing that bothers me so much about it um when you talk about positional play, which is what everybody and their mom you know besides like Portland and the anti-football people say that they play Certainly, LAFC would tell you that they Im- that they implement positional play in their own style. Um, there's four superiorities, right? You have qualitative, which just means you're better. You have numeral, uh, numerical, which means you have more players available in a certain area of the field. You have social, which means you've been playing together longer. You know each other's idiosyncrasies. You know, oh, Carlos is on the right wing. He's on his left foot. If I pass it to him here, he can he can take it one time, right? Um, and then you have, let's see, I, what did I say so far? I said social. I said um, numerical. I said I didn't say positional. Positional is the one that's kind of hard to identify because it's like you have to be able to identify where a player is in relation to the defense and what the goal is. And here I would say that you have both Bale and Vela in areas of positional superiority and Blessing too because Blessing is in a position to either force the defense to continue retreating and attack the goal himself or play Vela through the, the center back and the left back or bail out wide. Like there's positional advantages there to take advantage of. And he actually slows down and comes to a complete stop. And I, I don't know of a better definition of the yips than that. Like just being so incapable and frozen, like you can't even choose what to do. I'm either going to go a goal or pass it off, right? What you should, what he should be thinking there is, if they continue to retreat, I'm going alone, uh, or or I'm going to slip Carlos through as their backs are turned, or if they step to me, then I'm going to send somebody, right? I'm going to send Chicho as he moves off the ball, and he's just completely frozen. You cannot have that kind of indecision and that kind of lack of quality in your midfield if it's ever going to work, and I, I to it's the most painfully obvious example of what is wrong when he and Mendez are in the midfield. Or, I mean, this goes back to K too. K wasn't as bad as this. I'll give him that credit. Like this is, this is worse from blessing than I've ever seen like tonight and this stretch of the season, but man, it is just abysmal. Yeah. I mean, maybe it is the yips, like you say, but it it was an interesting thing to see. It it was almost like, wow, they let me get this far. (laughs) Now what do I do? <laughs> I'm used to somebody collapsing on me and then I yeah, do. Yeah, and then, yeah. and then it was just slow down. And then, like I said, you know, somebody just sneaks up behind and like, thank you. <laughs> I'll take yeah. that. Oh, the, the um, other thing I want to point out about that too. So I talked about, you know, they have positional advantage. They have positional superiority there. They have qualitative superiority too. So it's like you have Gareth Bale, Chicho Arango and Carlos Vela. None, nobody on that back line is as good as those three players. Like that's the point of, spending all that money on your front three or front seven or eight in LAFC's case at this point um, is that nobody will ever have qualitative superiority in that third of the field because your forwards are just better players. Uh, So just the man, I, the inability to, to really pounce on that opportunity is so infuriating, but it's also emblematic of, what Josh and I talk a lot about on the show. So uh, it's hard to watch, well, man. Hard to watch. 
I mean, it was another, it was a, it was another tough first half and I've actually yeah. got, I got a trivia question for you. Uh, I did look yeah. this up. So this is the 27th game. They got no goals in the first half. How many games has LAFC had no goals in the first half this year? No goals in the first half. Just the first half. Uh, they didn't have one against San Jose last week. I feel like there's a game against Seattle that they didn't score in the first half. It's a game at Seattle. But so, they didn't have a goal in the first I'm, half. I'm guessing, DC, I'm guessing there's another one that God, they didn't score gonna, against DC. You're not going to believe I, the number then when I tell you. No, because I was going to say five or six. but It's 15. Get, oh, 15. It is 15 <laughs> games. They have not scored a goal in the first half. Wow. In fact, wow. it's funny because in this in the stadium, we sit at this, we sit near the south end, so that's always the, the way they're going in the first half. And I was like, after a while, do I got to move to the other end because we just don't see the goals down <laughs> here anymore? You sooner upgrade. or later... It's, you know, and it was, it was funny. Cause again, I was, I was, I was texting my friend and it's like at, at the first, before Fergundes um, put in the first goal, it just felt like both teams were feeling out the first half, but Austin was being more ambitious because yeah. they definitely spent more time down in LAFC than, than LAFC mm-hmm. spent down there, uh, having trouble getting, obviously having trouble getting the ball for getting it to, to bail, getting it to Bella. But the other thing that LAFC was, they get into these ruts where they struggle with just the simple things. And I'm talking where you have two guys open field standing 15 yards away from each other and somebody hits a pass that they can't even put on the guy's foot, yeah. which then yeah. forces the, the player to run, either run after or runs him into one of the Austin players who comes in, oh, hey, look what I found. This is great there and it just seemed to that stuff seemed to keep happening over and over and over and then leads mm-hmm. to the goal and also prevents you from ever getting anything started because you're giving away just now short passes yeah and it just seems to me a problem they get into every they get into every so often and I, I don't know what to say about the first halves then at this point other than hey guys goals in the first half count but why does it yeah. take so long now to feel your way and are were you on the road in this game were you on the road playing not to lose or hey we're just going to try to go to halftime with no score again and then the whole thing was summed up at the very end where they get a lucky bounce to bail and he does his best brian rodriguez impression where the goalkeeper is not needed <laughs> tough volley yeah. to hit in he maybe yeah. could have stole one at the end maybe he could have gathered and brought it and that that just kind of then summed up the whole first half for me right there <laughs> so yeah, um, it's a tough start. I mean, it's it's Austin is very good. They are. Nobody should be surprised by by this at all. I I think I think all the comparisons between Austin and 2019 LAFC are completely valid. Same same kind of look, same kind of output. They are a prolific attack. Their press is well organized. They don't fear anything at all. Like those guys ran for 90 minutes straight. Like they didn't. They they're not scared of LAFC, nor should they be, because they're they're legitimately a good team. Um, but it's it's when you start that midfield, and it's really like when I say that midfield, I'm talking just about blessing at the eight. You are not you are playing with two midfielders. You get zero off ball movement. You get 
zero in like smart decisions made in terms of when to when to counterattack, when to recycle, when to do when to progress the ball on your own. Um, it's it's like you're playing a four two three one with no ten, right? They had they had Sifu coming back in a double pivot through a lot of that game, uh, and it's because you can't look you can't trust Latif and build up. If it were me, I still would have played a four two three one. Like if Blessing is the one that you have to start, I'm still playing a four two three one. I put Blessing in the double pivot, and I say, Kellen, you're the build up guy. That's it. I don't want to hear anything. Like Latif's Latif's one job in life right now is to man mark Driussi out of existence. That's it. Shadow him, mark him out of the game. And then we just do it because it, it's effectively no difference, right? In, in build-up, you don't really have Latif all that much. If anybody is still questioning this, go watch the game again. And anytime Acosta or Sifu is on the ball, watch where Latif is. Latif is frequently 25, 30, 40 yards away from the other midfielders behind another line of pressure, not actively trying to get on the ball. When Murillo does his little, when he has his gaff, he's trying to hit a long ball to a front five. And Latif is one of those front five. To me, when I see this happen, it's like, I don't know what I'm watching because it just makes all the sense in the world. So, Murillo and Latif both play in like the half space of the field, right? They're in the same vertical. Those two have to be connected at all times in a 4-3-3. I realize that I'm like getting way into the weeds on this, but like I, I don't know what else to do at this point because I feel like I'm losing my mind talking about this every week with these midfielders. They're in the same vertical. Yeah, they're in the same vertical channel. They have to be connected. That's the whole point of playing a 4-3-3 is that you can either play around pressure to your fullback from the center back or around pressure to your six. Who's in a di- who's in a different vertical channel or through pressure to uh, to to your midfielder, the guy that's ahead of you, um, and so he, instead he's you know trying all this fancy stuff. Mario should have just recycled the ball to Cripo. This is not it's not it's a little bit on blessing. It's mostly on Mario, but it's just indicative of the way that they play, which is not well through the midfield. Uh, I, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know why you're trying to send Latif forward uh, to win a ball behind the lines because he's not going to finish on the run. He's just not. And he's not going to dish it on the run. He's just not. So you may as well bring him back and help Mario build out. Sorry, that was That's, that was a long rant there. There, were, there was some shades of 2021 where it's just the bungle in the back that leads to the to the goal. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, this, qu- is, yeah, yeah. this is like very typical of Mario, right? We know We know there's two or three of these for a goal every single year. Yeah. Other than that, the man is a rock star, but he's going to sure. do some stuff that's going to make you scratch your head and you're going to give up a goal here or there. One thing I want to ask you um, that, was, that I was thinking about watching was because you mentioned Kellen Costa. Uh, he's basically playing the Ilya number six, playing in his position tonight, yeah. where he's more than capable. But do you think that, especially again, with Blessing kind of just being all over the place or way too far up, that while... Acosta can do this at the same time. It's like he's feeling pressure to do too much because he's got a cover for now this other, you know, blessing being around or, you know, trying to control things through the middle. What do you think of that? Um, I, I do, do you think, think Acosta's out of, do you think Acosta's out of position there when he has to fill in? I don't think so. I mean, one weird thing is I, I love Acosta at the eight. 
with LAFC and I love him at the six with the U.S., right? <laughs> um, but when he plays with the U.S., he's playing with much more competent midfielders. Yeah, sure. And it's at a higher level. And I don't I don't know that he's like an every game starter. I think you spot start him in tournaments like they've typically done. Um, he hasn't been all that effective at the eight for the U.S. I think it's just a different pro. They they want more pressing and more mobility than than he's gotten. I think he's good. I I I, I hope. I hope he just says, you know what, I'm I'm good. I'm good in LA for the next ten years. Uh, like he's he's a great player. Oh, I hope um, he stays. I'm I'm a I'm a Kellen Acosta stand. I was I was so happy when they got him. Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, so I hope I, I hope he's on. But just, what? So for me, when I look again, when I look at that midfield, and I'm looking at a six, and I'm trying to decide, okay, are the decisions right? He's able to get out of pressure and carry the ball into more space to buy himself time to make a new decision. But again, what you have to ask yourself is once he moves, so this is like something that we in positional play is called the game center, right? Sometimes you'll hear it called the game center space. Once he dribbles the ball to a new game center on the field, who moves around him? Or is it just jailbreak time? Everybody run forward and pray for a long ball over the top. To me, that's it doesn't make any sense. LAFC do play much more direct this year than they have in the past. That's fine. They've been good at it so far this year. Um, what I'm looking for is who's coming to fill the space that he vacated, who's coming around to, to join him in that game center to, again, to press numerical advantages slowly up the field. Uh, and it's definitely not going to be Latif. And oftentimes Sifu is on a jail on, you know, the jailbreak run too. So, um, it, it's just a, it's a lot, it's a lot for somebody to have to do. And I think Acosta and Sifu and Ilya have a better understanding I think Ilya is a better regista than Kellen Acosta. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. I don't think it's controversial. Um, but I also think Acosta is more positionally aware when his teammates are on the ball. So he de- he helps he helps Ilya a lot more than Blessing helps Acosta, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of Ilya, the, the other thing is going into this game, we knew that this game changed the second he picked up that second lazy foul yeah. against San Jose yeah. and knocked himself out of this game and I saw the the one stat tweeted that out of the six losses LAFC has this year that they've lost four when yep. LA hasn't started the game on there yep. and that's kind of a and I've been and I'm not the first person to say this I've been saying LA's been the team MVP I thought for yeah. this year and this yeah. puts in his importance but does it kind of worry though when you have a stat like this where if he doesn't play, then it seems like all of a sudden the team doesn't know what to do. It seems a bit of, Absolutely. Seems a, bit of a problem. On there. This is, this is what Josh and I talk about all the time. When we talk about, you don't have enough depth, right? Um, if you tell me that Acosta is the backup six, fine. Who's backing up Acosta? That's where the question is. And again, that was my question today to the masses on Twitter is if it's Blessing or Mendez to start, especially against a team like Austin, you're toast. You're toast because you're not going to get any goals. Like, it's just, it's not enough around around those. Like, you're just not going to get the ball to the forwards, and that's what you saw today. Plenty is going to be said about, about Gareth Bale and Carlos Vela, who neither of them had a great game. Neither of them were very active in the press. But you're talking about two players who are kind of mercurial as it is, you have to get them touches. You have to get them in rhythm. Like you have to build to them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
Chicho was out there, he doesn't care, right? He's Chicho is going to run. He's he's great. He's great about just putting his head down and doing the work. Um, but Vela and, and Bale did not seem all that interested. Uh, they weren't again. They weren't great in the press. Josh Wolf came out and talked about it directly. He's like, we just moved the ball side to side and made them run, and then they were tired, and then we played the ball through them. Um, and again, like <laughs> if if your midfield's all out of sorts. The back line's going to be exposed. You already mentioned Hollingshead, which I think is a good point. At some point on the show, I think it was a couple months ago, I pointed out that something, it was like something like 70% of the goals, I think it was in June that I pointed this out, 70% of the goals that have been scored against LAFC came when Hollingshead was at right back. And a large, like a large majority of those had come from the team's right side. I think Hollingshead is great. I think he's a great left back. I think he's an okay spot start at right back. Um, interestingly enough, uh, so six games LAFC have lost, four without Ilya. One was against Galaxy. That was the only. That's the only game they've lost with a full midfield. The other game that they lost was to Austin, and Kellen Acosta was playing right back because Escobar was hurt, and I think Hollingshead was suspended. Or hurt, maybe they're both hurt, and blessing had to start in the midfield. Um, yeah, the, so the non five, the non eliate the non eliate start games they lost was tonight, uh, Vancouver, Colorado, and mm-hmm. San Jose. Yep, there, so. and so there's two more, right? Because they've had six losses total. One yeah. of those, Kellen Acosta wasn't in the midfield. The other one was against the Galaxy, and we all know how that goes against the Galaxy. It's a total crapshoot. It's pandemonium. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, really, you're looking at five out of six games where you don't have your starting midfield that you lose. Um, and, like, uh, again, there's plenty there's plenty of blame to go around in this game or in those losses. But it's not a coincidence that your starting midfield is missing. And, again, the problem, the problem is it's a lack of depth. And it seems it seems like you have a lot because everybody loves Latif, like you said. And at this point, I think he's like you said, a thirty-minute sub. Mendez, maybe one day, he's going to fit into the system a little bit more. I, I hope that's true. I, I don't see any reason why it can't be true. But in the games that I've seen him so far for LAFC, he can't complete passes accurately. He can't send him to the right foot. They don't have the right weight today when he came in for blessing at halftime because Steve is just grasping at straws. Um, they moved Acosta to the eight like they should, and Mendez played at the six, and it was not good. Uh, on the second goal, I think it was, it was a it was a turnover, and he's running with Ruti, and then just ditches him. So the second just goal, stops. The second goal came off the free kick, right? Um, it got headed out. Oh yes, came, yes, you're right. Came back the yeah. other way. So it must again, have been the third goal that I'm talking about. Yeah, we'll get to that. But the, but the second goal was, again, because that came right out of halftime. And yeah. it was a thing where I yes. said, man, yeah. there is just a lack of paying attention. And what happened? Nobody paid attention to a Rudy in there. Yeah. And he has a free header to, to get in there. Um, really quick on Mendez, though, because I have a disturbing question to ask you. Are we sure he's better than Janela? <laughs> because my, I'm just my... going to say... I was sorry. I was going to say when they shipped Janelle out and they brought Mendez in, I said, "Look, all you got to do is two things. First of all, have your first instinct to be go forward, not towards yeah. your own goal. Go yeah. forward and know that you have two feet. 
and you can be, but the first couple returns on Mendez, I understand he's still trying to fit in and everything, but uh, I mean, it's been some problems. He is like the <laughs> anti Janela, right? Everything that we said that Janela did well, which is passing with accuracy, passing with the right weight, but he's just too slow. Yeah. Mendez seems fast. Uh, he had on, on the second San Jose goal last week, he had two horrific misses. I mean, one in the midfield, he does, he does track back to his credit. Uh, and is able to put in another challenge, but I mean, just diving in terribly. Um, so hopefully, hopefully his defensive chops end up showing. But uh, yeah, so it must have been the third goal that I'm talking about here, where he just leaves Aruti alone. He bails on the run, and Aruti comes through and is able to get through Hollingshead and is able to put the goal, put the ball in the back of the goal. Um, so I, dude, it's just it's just not good enough. Well, I was gonna I was gonna point out that fifty percent of the goals came on Hollingshead's side tonight, and yeah. I'm I'm yeah. still at a loss as how Hollingshead just completely whiffed on the ball sliding in, and then it gets to a Rudy and he goes around, and it was like, and then the fourth, the fourth goal, you know, sadly it was it was three nothing. He was chasing, and he picked up the uh, Ibiaga role, as I like to call it, getting beat like a rented mule. <laughs> Um, yeah. by Dreyusi, just got spun around on the ground, and then yeah. like that, it's four nothing, and it's like, oh my gosh! <laughs> and it, yeah. But the thing you were talking about in the game earlier, this was going into it. I, I was thinking, I'm like, you know, this is an important game for them. It's it not is. so much. It's not so much in the standings. They're still six points ahead, and again, I point out if they hadn't punted the three, they could still be nine. But what they have now is a team that has beaten them twice this year. And yeah. Austin likely will be the only team that beats him twice. In theory, they could still lose both games to Houston, and then we'll know they're in real trouble if that happens. But mm-hmm. Austin, I remember I'd asked you a question the other week on the D.C. game, and I said, did D.C. put out some sort of blueprint here that a better team could come in and execute? And I don't know that it was the same thing Austin. For me, Austin played their own blueprint. They played the same way both games, the, the, the game in L.A., the game here. Yeah. This game, they got a couple more chances wide open and put them away. But in the first game, LAFC did nothing the entire game until Stuver clipped Vela and they got the penalty kick. And mm-hmm. they made a couple rally, tried to make a couple of rallies there. But again, felt to me like a game Austin controlled. And they certainly did that today. So yeah, definitely something where it's like, you didn't want to give them a mental edge of, you know, uh, that guy, the ring guy that they just signed were going. He said, I'm not afraid of LA FC. It's like, well, guess what? The whole team is at, <laughs> at this point. Because, yeah. Yeah. You know, right. the aggregate, the aggregate was what? Uh, six to six to two. Six to two. Yeah. And there, so. um, they, so it is a good question about DC because DC pressed, they pressed LAFC hard. Um, and what, and what you can cause them to do, because again, they're not super competent at building through pressure. Um, especially when their midfield isn't intact, uh, is they just hoof it long and they really don't have Vela's not going to win very many balls over the top. Bale's not going to put in very many challenges. Apoku's not, he's definitely not going to win any aerial challenges for the ball. Uh, Chicho, this isn't, this isn't really Chicho's game either. I don't feel, um, and Mario's not going to be able to drop in the ball over the top of the center backs. Like it's just a lot of prayer balls that go to center backs 
and are headed into the midfield. And you would hope that you could counter press that ball, but it's just, that's not, that's not really who they are anymore. I know I noticed that a lot in the last, not, not the San Jose game, but the DC game, it was a lot of get pressed, hit it out, try to play the deep ball. They were trying to play deep balls a lot in that. But yeah. a lot of the issue they have too is just simply if they're trying to play the ball from the defenders out to midfield or something to that effect, they don't have a Skywalker out there who can get on it. Yeah. Or, you know, famously with Galaxy a couple of years ago, you just headed out because Zlatan could tower over everybody, get his head yeah. on it, get yeah. to somebody. And LAFC doesn't have that particular player to be able to. Yeah, Chicho's, Chicho's not a hold up striker. Right. right. He's that's not, he's going to come in. He's going to combine real fast, and then he's going to be off to the races. Uh, and if you can get him in behind after that, he's brilliant. But he's not, yeah, he's not the guy that you're going to knock it to from, you know, the center back and then have the whole team pivot off him like he did with Zlatan. But um, anyway, it's just, there. there's a lot wrong. I think Chiellini needs to be starting. Uh, Segura went five minutes in that last game. Josh and I talked a lot about load management uh, Bale and, and Chiellini didn't play at all for the past two games. Then they come into this one. Bale starts. Chiellini gets the second half inexplicably. Uh, Chiellini, I'm sorry. I love Eddie Segura. I think he's a great center back. I love having him on out. But like, if you have Chiellini, what are you doing? Why Why is he on the bench to start? Um, I don't know. He's I the starter. Start him. Um, and then you bring in Segura. I... I mean, that's, that's, it's questionable to me. That kind of stuff is questionable. And I mean, other than that, I think, I think you learned that Bale of Bela and Bell, Bale are probably not the greatest tandem because you need at least one guy pressing if you have either one of them on, uh, because otherwise they're going to be able to play around them too easily. Yeah. Um, well, we saw too when, I mean, granted the game was kind of out of control and a Poku came in, but yeah. immediately, you know, he knows where to go. He knows, where he's going to play and everything like that. And so, I mean, the question I had, cause I know Twelman was asking this tonight is like, Hey, is it fair to ask if Bale and Bella should be on the, on the field at the same time? And it's more that I know we're all excited, you know, Bale is in, we've got Teo now coming and then Buanga. I'm not sure if he's out of France yet. This seems to be an issue, but there's not I that think many he's games. There, but you, you think he's here now? I, I've been I think so. Track of this, but there's not a lot of games left for those guys yeah. at this point. Yeah. And Bale has been slowly being worked in, worked in. And if you are watching it tonight, it takes time to get, to get integrated here. And it looked to me like either he, he obviously didn't know where necessarily guys were going to play him and almost other guys didn't know either. And Austin could have yeah. been centering on him a little bit, but what it goes to me is it, it, it struck me last year, like Chicho came on, started scoring goals. Vela had missed a lot of games because he was injured. And then he came on slowly at the end of the year was being subbed in. And I remember mm-hmm. we were wondering this year at the beginning, Chicho started off slow, his little injury wasn't scoring. And part of it for me was it seemed that it took him a while to learn how to play with Vela, that he was kind of deferential yeah. He wasn't like, it's like, you, dude, you scored all these goals last year. You're a goal scorer, you know, take yeah. it. Vela's a goal, Vela's a goal scorer. He'll, you know, he'll dish it. And it strikes me because now obviously Rongo has been scoring a lot. 
they interplay well on a lot of things. Now Bale has to learn how to play with these guys too, and they have to learn how to play with him. And it's like, well, this is the thing with coming in the mid-year. You have only so much time to figure that part out. Yeah. And, it, yeah. It, and that, that seemed to rear itself tonight, playing against a very good team there. And makes me wonder what you're going to get out of some of these other, these other guys here at, at, at this point too, with only eight games left. Um, yeah, I mean, I, is it seven games? Seven it's, games it's, it's not much time. It's yeah. really not much time. And this is one thing that I keep bringing up too, is that it, it, if it takes so much time to get up to fitness and to work your way into the team, Sebastian Mendez comes in and he's, you know, immediately thrust into the midfield because almost like basically out of necessity, but we've seen how poorly that's gone so far. Uh, and then you're bringing in all these attackers. Like, they are not going to have time. Teo or or Boanga are not going to have time in seven games to get ready for the playoffs. So you can just count them out as far as I'm concerned. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Boanga, you know, is fine. He's a little bit younger. I have, I don't know. But, um the the typical way of LAFC bringing guys along the whole load management thing granted they're not as old as Bale and Chiellini um although I guess Teo's only a year younger than Bale um he's 31 I think is what I read yeah, yeah so, 33, so I mean I, I I really don't know I mean I Opoku has been plenty effective maybe he's maybe like maybe just ride with him and Vela and and Chicho, and then your subs. I mean, this is what we used to complain about, right? Is that the talent coming off the bench was just not good enough. This is Danny Musovsky. And the running joke last year was anytime Bob would send in Danny Musovsky, it was like, all right, concession time. Fold up shop. We're done. We're getting out of here. Um, nobody get my, hurt. My, my running joke with that was we'd be yelling at Bradley to make a sub, make a sub. And then so Bradley would finally say, <laughs> all right, get Musoski in there. Uh, he's already on the field, Bob. Like, oh, well, I'm fresh out of ideas here. So yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe Bale's a super sub the rest of the yeah. year or spot yeah. starts for Vela or something. It's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to say, but like anything else, you need time to be able to work and know how guys right. react, where they're going to be. And yeah. Who knows? It, uh, maybe they can get up to speed. Soon. I mean, the the real problem, still from the beginning of the season, and I realize that Josh and I sound like broken records, but the real problem is the lack of depth in the midfield and the lack of right back depth. Like that is the Achilles heel of this team, and it, it's very, again with Ilya out, you drop four games, like four or six losses right there. Boom, gone. If you just have a serviceable six that can do the job, or you have somebody that can actually play where Kellen Acosta plays when you have to move him, it's not like it's not rocket science. Yeah, I realize it's not FIFA. It's not just plug and play, right? We can't just go say, oh, this guy's a good attacking man, or this guy's a good six, and just bring him in and keep him happy just sitting on the bench until Ilya gets a red card. But it's got, it's, it's, it's not as complicated as this. It really isn't to fix, to plug that one hole, just one hole. And that's why, that's why the Sifu stuff kind of terrified me. Like when, uh, who was it? Was it Brighton that was coming in and offering? Mm -hmm. Um, it's like, okay, if you move Sifu, 
now you need two more midfield. You still need, because you already need one midfielder. And if you move Sifu, you absolutely need another one. So you need two midfielders yesterday, if that's going to be the case. And again, like you were saying, there's only seven games in this season, eight games, seven, whatever it is. Seven. There's only a handful of games left, which is not going to be enough time for somebody to step in, unless his name is Ross Barkley. He can come in and he'll fix everything, right? Um, Chelsea doesn't need him at this point. <laughs> I know. Just just, uh, just ship him out, Chelsea. You don't want him. We'll take him. Um, but yeah, if, if if that's the case, then you got to have a guy come in, figure out the system, make himself a part of it, and be ready to go by the time the playoffs roll around. So you can't you can't get rid of Sifu. You just no, can't because you're, been... you're already one midfielder short. Yeah, sorry. This this would have been a terrible point of the season to lose him. Uh, you just yeah. can't. And yeah. I know even people were speculating. Okay, wait, wait. Uh, sale with a loan back for the rest of the season. It's like okay, whatever yeah. it is, just you can't lose him. But goodbye, CCL. But the thing is, is talking about the schedule and keep harping on the, the points they lost to San Jose. But you know, if you suddenly look at what they've got the rest of the season here, they're in the middle of what I call the Texas Death March because you're hitting the Texas in August and September. But play Houston on Wednesday and then home against Salt Lake, but then at Dallas. And we know Dallas can mm-hmm. be really good or really bad. Yeah. And yeah. then they're at Minnesota, incidentally, a place LAFC has never won. And mm-hmm. then their last road game is at Portland, where a few weeks ago I would have said, hey, some guys are going to be on turf preservation. And that game may not matter because maybe they already have the uh, supporter shield clinch. But these last two games has thrown some of the, you know, thrown more importance on some of these other games now. And, you know, it's a lot more games, some midweek games and everything that you're going to have to be shuffling, shuffling lineups again. And again, now what is it happens and Ilya is not on the field. Does everybody suddenly not know what to do? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I I don't want you to be too hard on yourself for punting those three points on, for calling them out on punting those three points to San Jose. Mm -hmm. Um, because it, in the end, it is arrogance. They thought they could get away with those rotations. They thought they could get away. When I first saw that lineup, I said, this is a 3-5-2. And they just used a 4-3-3 graphic. Nope. They ran Ryan Hollingshead as a, out as a right forward, played next to Escobar, ran Blessing and Mendez out in the midfield, started Sebastian Ibeaga, and said, this will be fine. We're not going to change anything about what we're doing at all, except for the personnel. And all these guys are going to be fine. And that was obviously not the case. But what happened when they got their second goal and took the lead again? LAFC went for it. Went for it in a way, and obviously Ilya was told to go for it, right? Because he goes out and he gets two yellows in 15 minutes. Um, so they wanted those points. Again, to, to your earlier point, which I think is good too, this grind them out in the first half and then and then steal a goal in the second half uh i think that's what's been found out by other teams and i think if they i think if you come out at lafc quickly it takes lafc to a while to build up and and get going and that's how you beat them so i was going to ask you then what you thought is the reason for so many of these slow starts where it seems like you're feeling out but do you think it is more intent than it's like, hey, we're going to just grind out, not concede something, and then we'll sub them to death in the second half? Or is it just really, it takes them a long time to build up into the game at this point? Because 
again tonight, it just seemed to me Austin wanted to go forward more when they had the, the chance. And LAFC was kind of like, uh, we'll, we'll pass it around the middle. We'll sort of try to get it forward. But it was, let's just get out of the first half with no goals again. And I, I don't know. Yeah. What, what do you, I mean, how do you, how do you think that works at this point? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I still think it's a good game plan. I think if you have the right personnel in and you're able to build out a little further than your own defensive third, because the midfield is right, then you're probably okay with playing some counter, some defense on counterattacks. Um, so I, I don't think it's a bad, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think their ability to, make the right subs in the second half when the game is even is, is proven. I don't think that's a problem. Um, so it's, it's not that it's a bad game plan. It's that other teams are going to start coming harder and harder and harder at you in the first half, because they know, especially now that if they can, if they can keep it up, then they can probably steal it from you. So I I don't know. I think six, what six, six out of 27 games they've had the lead at the half. At this point, so yeah, yeah. It's a certain. Story. I mean, once they get it, they don't, they don't, they don't lose it, right? I think the San Jose game was the first time they'd ever dropped a point. Uh, well, they did, but they didn't. They never led in that game, though. And they didn't lead tonight either. So technically, I mean, I, I mean, be, that they were tied. Oh, okay, then, yeah, fair, yeah. I mean, I guess it, you drop points anytime you lose, technically, because it's zero zero, right? But they had scored a goal, they they'd evened it up, and then they ended up dropping another goal late. But correct. Yeah. Correct, but I think that I think their stat of have never dropped points from a leading position is still intact because these yeah. last two games they never led, they haven't led. <laughs> which is yeah. not a good thing. It's it's this is this is 180 minute 180 minutes of very very bad football by them. Yeah, no, it is. Point. It There's is no way around it. <laughs> um, last thing I want to say is on the goal that they do score. Opoku is on the line, much like Blessing does, but he is starting to work back when Chiellini goes to hit that ball. And that made all the difference. He's there. He's the one in the half space where Latif typically is, right? When Vela's out wide and he works back. I just, man, <laughs> I wish it was better. I don't know what else to say, Tom. All right. Should we get into some comments here? Yeah. A you know, hey, can I, can I ask you just really quick about our, our yeah. friend Maxi or Rudy? <laughs> Just yeah. a, something light. What, what was your I don't take know if he's his... good. Well, <laughs> there is a reason he's still. been on he's been on four teams <laughs> in five years. But what he is good at, he's good at stirring the pot and then playing yeah. victim at the same time on it. Uh, I mean, what did you think yeah. on the foot stomp on Mario called correctly or seen worse given a red uh, or seen less given a red? I mean, the just... way that for me the the questionable thing is like he's so far like that play. Like, Mario goes to throw in the ball, right? And Aruti has to... He, it's a dead sprint to get there. And the ball is way far away when he does stomp on him. Uh, so, I mean, it is, it's away from the ball at that point. And the way that he goes after him, it's, it's on the borderline. Um, now, when, when you're asking VAR to go to it, I, I can see, like, there's there's an explanation for not going to VAR because it's like, all right, well, are we, are we really going to red card this guy for this? Like, are we actually going to go to VAR? Cause again, the hurdle that you have to clear is it, is it so obvious that you're going to go to video review? And that's where I'm not sure if it is. 
and it was if called the ref would have yeah if the if the ref would have called it red if i i don't think the ref really saw like aruti get up and full on sprint over to over to mario he probably should have because it's like right there but that's my that's my best attempt at apologetics there i do think again it, it's right there on the borderline and if the ref would have called it red it would have stood for sure sure so well, whether he's good or not, LAFC made him look good tonight. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unfortunately. All right. Uh, first one is from Sam Lehman. Given the state of the midfield and some of our previous year's experiments, if Ilya is out again, would should we try Cheeky at the six alongside Sifu and Acosta with Hollingshead and Escobar playing left wing back and right wing backs uh, respectively? Uh, this is, again, the idea that I floated and to be honest, I haven't seen it enough. This is just me spitballing earlier, knowing that Blessing and Mendez are not going to be good enough. So assuming that we're not going to change anything, assuming that we are going to go be a bit arrogant and still play the same way, uh, there's, a, there's a new idea. Maybe you move Cheeky into that spot or Segura into that spot, and you let Hollingshead play his natural position. You let Escobar play where he belongs. Um, I would play Chiellini in that instance also and see what happens. I, I legitimately don't think it would be worse than either playing Blessing at the eight or bringing in Mendez at the six. I really don't. Uh, I'm for trying it. Uh, I hearken back to last year, that suicide squad lineup they threw out against Sporting KC that ended in the 4 nothing, and Cheeky yeah. was wrecking dudes in the middle. Um, yeah. Hitting passes all over. It's like, man, this is great. So... <laughs> I mean, what do you think I'm about it? Like, it? If you need it, you know. Cheeky is smooth on the ball. He's a good one-on-one defender. He has good vision. Like all the things that make him a good fullback, a good like attacking fullback, will make him a good six. He might not have like the long field vision to play the same kind of passes that Acosta and Ilya do or UC Chiellini do. I don't think he has that. Um, but you don't necessarily have to play that way. You can play through him forward to the fullbacks or to the, to the attacking mids and not have to go all the way through the lines with him. Uh, but you're still going to get good defensive, like good defensive awareness. You're going to get quality possession out of him. So I, I, I wouldn't hate to see it. I think it, I think it's worth a shot if you're in a pinch, I don't want to see them experimenting with it unnecessarily, but tonight, like when you're in a pinch, it, you know, you may as well. Uh, Lionel Hutz at from cheap seat clear that we are in serious trouble. If Ilya Acosta and Cifuentes have to miss a playoff game, all the focus will be on the back line in front three, but the midfield is the key. Anyway, can we put a Ross Barkley Jersey on tail? Tom, you want to take a swing at this one first? Well, it's kind of what we talked about earlier and, and he's right, uh, for a court appointed attorney at law, Lionel Hutz (laughs) Simpsons reference, but, uh, but again, it was kind of the thing I said before. Um, Ilya is for me the team MVP, but it's it hurts too if a guy is so important that you can't function without him. Uh, you have to be able to spell guys, or you know things will have in- inevitably happen. Um, but it's true. I mean, that's our best three. That's our best three players in the mid right there. So what does happen on there? Does does Mendes get his game up? Um, is uh, the blessing come back further? I don't. I don't know. But yeah. legitimate concern. Uh, it's 
we signed all these wingers, man. And I kept thinking every time we sign one, like, okay, well, maybe, maybe they can sometimes play some minutes in the midfield. Maybe. Like, this goes back to, to Jury Shradi because he was like kind of an attacking mid with NYCFC, but had originally been a winger. And I was like, okay, well, maybe he'll slot in and play some midfield minutes. And that never happened. So I, I don't know. Somebody saved me. Uh, at Yo-Yo Torre, 66, poor passes and bad defending hurt the team. Credit to Austin for the win. The team needs to move on from this loss. Yeah, I mean, Austin, again, Austin are a very good team. LAFC are a very, are, are a very good team, and Austin played them off the pitch. Um, and LAFC is going to have to do some soul searching and get back on this horse right away. Otherwise, like this season is going to go in the drain real fast. And I think you did a good job of pointing out that there's a lot of tough games up ahead. And I would say even if they don't win the MLS cup, which I think is, it's like MLS cup or bust with all these signings and the way that you built the roster. But at least if you win the supporter shield, you have some sort of like consolation, right? We were the best regular season team. We like, this is 100% earned over the course of a season. And it's not, it's not certain that they're going to win it. Not by a long no, shot. It's, it's not. I mean, first of all, this is a me- very, I think this is a measured response and it's the way you, the only way you can look at it. Austin is good. You got to move on. You have more games to play. And I, I, you know, mentioned where I thought all the bad passing was occurred. Again, it was guys that didn't have anybody around them. They, they couldn't complete it. They couldn't complete a pass, but and, you know, we're all fans and this is, this team has brought high expect. It's great to cheer for a team that we can place high expectations on like this. It's not like you're a Houston dynamo fan or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we all want to win the, we all want to win the MLS cup on there, but it, you know, something I'd, I'd sit on there. It's like, it's pro sports. Any team can come in and win one game and that, that absolutely can happen too, but they're a good enough team to win it and hit a rut. But how do you respond? Yeah. All right. Uh, at LAFC Sweden. Have we been figured out or is this just a bad run of form? Was Dolo being hidden by how good our talent is? Uh, I think I think there are elements of truth in, in all of these, actually. I think we have been figured out a little bit. You and I talked about that. If you press LAFC, especially if their top midfield isn't there, then they're going to be vulnerable. Um, if you, if LAFC are over rotated, you can catch them out, right? It's a bad run of form in that sense that like, we're still doing this load management thing where, uh, we did this crazy thing against San Jose, got caught. We come in today again. We're not, we're not really rotating here. Uh, I, I don't think you, you could argue that you're rotating at all really because you started both Bale and Vela today. Um, but it's certainly not like that. That front three hasn't played much together, um, so it's not the greatest form. Um, and is Dolo being hidden by how good like the talent is? I think I think he is exposed just a little bit here, just a little bit. Um, and it's a learning experience. He's he's a newer head coach. That's fine. He's been really good so far. But I think you could see. Uh, first of all, I should say. I'm not one for like close-ups of the coach when a goal kick is happening because like I want to see where those X's and O's are going on the field. <laughs> but uh, when they did cut to him, he's he looks 
like stressed. He looks like a bit overwhelmed. Like what, how do we fix this? What are we doing? Taking notes. Like he's always got that little notebook. He's writing things down. Um, I think, I think today was a bit of a, of a wake up call for him too, in that we have to be able to be more flexible. We've got to have another, we've got to have a few things that we can, that we can do when, when games are getting out of hand. Um, and I don't think he has those figured out yet. Well, uh, to answer that question, Austin has certainly figured something out on their yeah. two games, six yeah. to two. And to the point that you're making after, after Fergundes hit the, hit the uh, free kick for the goal. Yeah, there was, you, you get the, you get the Dolo look there of, whoa, I didn't see that coming. Uh, <laughs> now, yeah. now, now we're going to do and it. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's sort of like, wait, they, they broke my first half strategy of, yeah. Let's just get to halftime, not having conceded, and then we'll we'll win the win the second half. So and yeah, they came out and lost the second half in three minutes. So yep, yep. Monster Twins at Katie's Monster. Austin played very well. We didn't. We made mistakes and got bested by a good attacking team. Thank God it wasn't a playoff. Yikes! Uh, again, this goes back to what I was saying before the game. This is you have to score multiple goals against Austin because they are going to get theirs. I don't care who you are. They're going to get theirs. That attack is too good. It's too fluid. Um, so you're going to have to put up two or three goals at a minimum to win games against them. And LAFC have not shown that lately, and they have definitely not shown it with that personnel in the midfield. They just haven't. I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. So you're saying one uh, goal in each game against them is not going to not going to do it? <laughs> yeah. Right. right. <laughs> Clearly, no. All right, Mike Oxmall at three deuce, five deuce. Uh, Don't see us winning MLS Cup this year. Yes, we have great players first in the league, Bale, but we have too many new players coming in with not enough games, chemistry together. This is what you were talking about, Tom. Also, Dolo's tactics will not work against great coaches. Um, This is an an interesting one because I I do think there there are clear signs of ways to beat this team uh, in in a cup game, right? You go at them, you play, you just go at them straight. Press them, force them to make a mistake, and they may punish you. You may get beat, but the only way to beat them is to go straight at them. Um, so you, you might end up getting beat, especially if it's a good pressing team. Against San Jose, for as bad as they've been, they just came from a man-to-man pressing team, right? So they like they they can still press, yeah. And DC was very organized in the way that they pressed them, and they gave them a lot of fits too. Um, I, I don't know that. I think Dolo's tactics are are finished against good coaches. Um, I, I I guess I just think I think going forward, it, they're just they're going to have to figure out a way to start to start a little faster, uh, yeah. maybe take, maybe yeah. take a lead, you know? So they obviously most teams do, but they play better from ahead. And when the game, that's when the game can get stretched open. That's when they'll start hitting Chicho on the runs in midfield or getting a Poco on the, on the, on the, on the side. Um, you know, I don't see us winning MLS cup this year. I mean, well, MLS being MLS, I mean, mathematically, we could still have a Toronto Seattle final, right? So yeah, yeah, that would be right. a very MLS to have that again. Um, it's a knockout 
it's a it's a knockout stage uh and yeah somebody could have a good you could you could do everything right and have a ball go off the side of walker zimmerman's face for the winning goal and lose so uh what i will say is that i still don't know that i've seen lafc play great in knockout competition the win against galaxy that's about it. Quick, quick trivia right. question. It's a quick, quick question for you. What, what was the worst game of the year? Is it today or is it still the U.S. Open Cup game? Mm. I think it's today because the Open Cup game, you can still say, despite whatever personnel is out there, we don't care. There's no way. There's no way you can say that you didn't care about this game. Oh yeah, at all for for sure. I mean, I cared about the U.S. Open Cup. It's like win win a trophy. Uh, yeah, and that yeah. that game bothered me so much because that entire first as soon as the opening whistle happened in that game, I felt like that if they whistled again and said we're going to go to PKs, LAFC would have taken it. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. how interesting. Like and that that's what didn't sit well. And there was the whole thirty two fifty two protest after that and everything. But I mean, yeah. But again, this was an important game, national TV the team that's chasing you in the standings and yep. you get run off the field. It was a yeah, not good. Yeah. Christopher Colonna has the league figured out Dolo and this team with Dolo having no plan B something new to throw at teams that they haven't seen yet. Or was this just a particularly bad and embarrassing night with uh, poor team selection and LAFC failing to show up for a big match yet again. So this kind of gets to the point we were just making. Um, again, I do think I, you're back to your blueprint comment from a few weeks ago. I do think teams have noticed, press them, press them. And especially again, personnel based press them, right? If they don't have this player, if this player's in press them, um, I do think poor team selection has it has something to do with it. And LEFC, I like, I think, I think again, all these things are common trends, the reason people keep saying again, is this happening again? Is this again? Is it poor team selection again? Is it them failing to show up for a big game again? The answer is yes to all. It really is. I guess the question is though, is when you're at the top of the table though, is it pretty much every game a big game? Because everybody's you're everybody's always playing somebody that's pulling, everybody's gunning for you. Now to yeah. the question, this was a big game, they fell flat. Uh, big game against Philly. They tied at home, you know, first big game against the galaxy lost, you know, something lost, but big game against the galaxy later. They win. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, I think that comes to with just being the team. Everybody's gunning for. And if you want to believe the Twitter verse, Oh geez, all everybody ever talks about is LAFC, LA, LAFC. So you're always going to be getting that too. Right. Right. All right. Uh, Jesse at Space Echoes Jess. We got to start Chiellini. Instant impact sub. Agreed. A cost and blessing are not enough in the midfield. Ilya gone. Really shows how good his his play forgave their sins. Uh, how his good play forgave their sins. Excuse me. Bale was a ghost. Load management hindered him. They ate us alive in transition. My gosh. Dolo's work cut out for him. Also, if JT buys another winger instead of a serviceable six for depth, I'm going to flip a table. Did he, did he hear yeah. the podcast already? Isn't this like literally everything we talked about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I, I, I do think Acosta is good enough to play the six. And I, I've already expressed like what, what else you need, especially against a good press like this. What else you need, which is a midfield that, a, you know, a third midfielder that helps. The reason you play with a third, uh, with a three man midfield is to have a numerical superiority there a lot, right? Back to when you played against a 4 4 2 a lot, right? And there are only two central midfielders. Um, you got to have guys making a third man run. You got to have guys constantly coming in and out to, to support you, but just not, doesn't happen. Doesn't happen with that personnel. At Somber Amarath, the game is played in five dimensions, three spatial, chronological, and psychological. There is no such thing as throwaway games. Everything you do in football catches up with you. If San Jose was the wake-up call, this had better be uh, the backup alarm because we are asleep at the wheel. This is good. I love this. Love it. Somebody else that heard the podcast before we recorded. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess we're all on the, um, we're all on the same page here. I'm gonna say that. I mean, I, it, it's like I said, it's it, there's a reason people keep saying again, is this happening again? Because it's a trend. These are trends that everybody can see, right? All right, Jeff, talk. If we crash out, or if or when we crash out of the playoffs, will anyone face consequences, or is this just who we are? I think this is interestingly phrased because will anyone face consequences? Um, a short answer for me is I, no. Yeah, Not I mean, certain. you're 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 going to be looking at Dolo and and JT. I think that's where you're looking for for consequences to be had, right? Uh, JT just had an insane summer. Like mm-hmm. all all complaints about the midfield and right back depth at the side. Like he has made signings in MLS that even six months ago nobody would have ever thought possible. So he does deserve credit for that. Um, Dolo in his first. Go ahead. I was going to say, if anybody, you're getting to it. Dolo's only in his first year. I don't think you're getting rid of a first year coach uh, unless something really bad happened. If if anything, let's just say if if they crash out, I'm 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 not I don't want to say when we still got games left. They're still the best team, but it'll be it'll be somebody like Rozov or some sacrificial person like that that uh we didn't get enough mark dos santos back to vancouver exactly that that's 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 who will face the uh, the consequences on there um yeah i mean if dolo if dolo wins the supporter shield in his first year like that's a major accomplishment like i know i know it doesn't put a star on anybody's chest like it should but that's a major accomplishment for a first year mls coach in his second year as a head coach right to to do that that's really incredible I find the supporter shield thing interesting, though, in the sense that, you know, LAFC gets made fun of because that's their only piece of hardware and all of that. Um, but at the same time, it does mean you have the best regular season. And I always wonder yeah. if people who criticize the supporter shield, are you also the ones that say, well, your league's decided by a playoff. You know, you should be crowning your regular season champ as the champ. It's like, which one yeah. is it? <laughs> there was a there was one under... There, there was one underneath this that I wanted to I know you don't usually do this, but I, I saw this uh, underneath Jeff's question. Uh, Mike Oxmall asked, and he said, good question, my guy. There is too much pressure on us right now. Can't imagine what's going to happen to the front office and the fans in the stadium. I can answer the last part of this, the fans in the stadium, uh, from past experience on there. If, LA, if LAFC crashes out of the playoffs or they are behind in a playoff game, the fans will absolutely be panicking and there will be beer cans and trash and everything being thrown <laughs> as mm. happened in both losses with the Salt Lake and Seattle. 
and it's it, it, it'll be it'll be all over. So yeah, yeah, I, not good. I'm hoping that doesn't happen because yeah, that'll that's that's absolutely what's going to happen with the fans mm. <laughs> at that mm. point. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, in terms of repercussions, I, I don't know what you would, I mean, LAFC have had a fantastic season for the most part and crashing out of the playoffs is not ideal. It's not what we want to do, but you play in a league. We, we watch a league that determines its champion the wrong way. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. It's never going to change. Yeah. Um, despite what the rest of world football does, it's just not going to change. And LAFC has crafted its or Sorry. MLS has uh, crafted itself in a way to make that impossible, really. The, the way that they've expanded to so many teams on two different sides of the country with uh, still with some intra-conference play, but not it's not exclusively intra-conference, right? You still have to play. So you play two games against everybody in your conference. You play one game against everybody outside. Uh, it's, it's not a flat table. Um so there, it's never going to happen. Uh, is it right? No, but who doesn't love complaining about stupid MLS rules, right? Well, it, it depends. Uh, it, you know, it depends on what you feel is important or, um, you know, it's, it's a U.S. It's playoffs and all that is definitely a U.S. sports thing. And the thing that we do see, too, the thing I've always wondered, too, is you expand to so many teams at that point, it's like, there are teams that are just never going to have a chance to win, but you see in the other sports too, like, like NFL and everything, the best team doesn't always win. And you have teams that have never been to the Super Bowl, and that's yeah. that'll be a reality. That'll be a reality of things too. I mean, it is a legitimate strategy in MLS to be just good enough to make the playoffs every year and to have a team that is capable of being impossible to play against in the playoffs. It, they're called the Portland Timbers, right? Um, like that's, Seattle, that's what Seattle's trying this year too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like that's, it's a viable strategy and everybody thinks, Oh, Portland Timbers there. Yeah. That's a, that's a great, that's a great team. And it's like, it's not really, they play enough anti-football in the playoffs to, to go far. Um, so, I mean, in one sense, they are a great team and in another sense, possibly a truer sense they're not, but, uh, it gets the job done, right? That's why we don't. That's why so many of us don't prefer the playoff system. But it's like kind of said, a thing in. But it's kind of a thing in America. the NFL, isn't it? I mean, the, yeah, the yeah. regular season's not nearly as important as they try to pretend it be. And you the thing about the, the thing about the NFL, though, is it's not easy to make the playoffs, right? No. You you have to win your division or get one of two wild card spots. Yeah, and like, no, they got fourteen so, out I mean, of thirty-two. Fourteen out of yeah. thirty-two making it now. And, yeah. But you had Rams and Bengals, both number four teams, played their way to just win the division, get in. And yeah. you could definitely yeah. see that carrying to MLS. Hey, all we got to do is just be able to come out the line and then anything can happen. It wouldn't surprise me at all to see them at some point go to some sort of divisional thing like that for, well, for playoffs. They're going to yeah. beat a 32 team some year, right? I mean, it's going to be I 30 after think, St. Louis I honestly comes think in, the I think. plan is to, is to go to 40. I really do. Well, that's the only way you can do pro rel, right? If you have 20 teams that can be up and 20 teams in the first. Oh division. man, you're about to open a can of worms. You do not want to open it. I don't want to open it either. I don't, I, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying if that's what you're trying for. That would be the way to do it. I, I think it, I think it very well could be what I would call faux pro rel. Yes. And 40, 
40 teams in two MLS leagues, which is not pro route. But anyway, we'll save that conversation. I'm not for saying day. I'm advocating, but if you have 40 teams, if you're interested in that conversation, one, there's only DM one me. cup. I mean, that's, that's yeah, tough. <laughs> yeah. All right. Darmalia. Hope we did not peak too early as a team, more frustration than chemistry. I, I think again, as I stated last week, I still think LAFC is okay. I think when you're missing key components in the midfield, they're going to struggle. That's what I think. Uh, ben Cox at Sir Bensington, Vela slash Bale, and it's the Spider-Man gif of two Spider-Men pointing at each other. And like, especially today, you know, today, today, excuse me, two guys that got burnt out pressing real quick and couldn't really get on the ball and just looked frustrated the entire time because they couldn't get uh, on the ball. And I think that's what Taylor Twelman was actually trying to say too when he when he kept saying yeah. it's fair to ask should they be on the field at the same time. Yes, that's kind of that. So and I'll yeah, say, absolutely. Uh, shout out, shout out to Ben the other day for uh, answering my uh, questions on Twitter. I was asking him about the international slot rules and everything. So mm. Based Ben's on, on the it, pod- man. he knows. Based on the he podcast knows. you guys had the had a few weeks ago. So. Yeah, no, that that was a great episode. I I I loved that one. Um, all right, Tom, we did it. We did. Tell the people where they can find you. Well, I'm at at, at Bronk at Bronkfan07 on Twitter. Um, there's not if you want to follow and talk LOC, great. There's not much else with me. It's usually me just tweeting at Kirk on game days, going what's going on, <laughs> going on here, and uh, or else be tweeting at the Super 70s Sports guy, and that's about it. So, but anyone wants to talk LAFC, it's my favorite thing to talk about. So, <laughs> let's do it. All right, but season tickets on the South Side, right? Yeah, appreciate you having me on on, uh, oh, on this, of course. One, this one time here, and uh, you know we'll, we'll, we'll eagerly wait Josh coming back <laughs> for it. <laughs> All right, you can follow the show at counterpress underscore. You can follow me at Kirk Kinsey. Until next time. Good night. <laughs>